Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much. Called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. John Searles is the author of Her Last Affair, a novel. John is a New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of three previous novels, Help for the Haunted, Strange But True, which was made into a film by the producers of La La Land, starring Brian Cox, Blythe Danner, Amy Ryan, and Greg Kinnear, and also Boys Still Missing. His books 
are published in over a dozen languages and have been voted best of the year or top picks by Boston Globe, Entertainment Weekly, Salon, and the American Library Association. John was the longtime books editor of Cosmopolitan and appeared regularly for more than a decade on NBC's Today, CBS This Morning, and other popular morning shows to discuss books of the season. That sounds familiar. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss her last affair. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Zibby. It's nice to see you. I have to say, I used to, we were just talking about the Hamptons, but back in the day, I used to go when I was a little girl and I would drive by the drive-in um, that used to be on the way to the Hamptons. Did you even know about that? The, the Rocky Point drive-in is what gave me the idea for the setting, but that's on the way to Port Jeff. Is that the one you used to pass? No, it was on the way. It was on the, it was on the left. <laughs> so we would drive by. I feel like it was near Southampton. And I always was like, that would be so great. But it had just been sitting there for so long. Anyway, that is the extent of my relationship with the drive-in until I got to your book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Usually people have some connection. I only went a handful of times as a kid, but when I would... I grew up in Connecticut, and when I drive home to see my mom, I cross the island to go to the Port Jeff Ferry. And I would see this old drive-in movie theater off the road, and I would always just stare at it and wonder, like, what it was like in its heyday. And then I started Googling, and then I found hundreds of images of all these abandoned drive-in movie theaters all across America, forgotten by time. And I thought they were kind of beautiful in this eerie, evocative way, the tattered screens, the bent speaker poles. And... I thought, well, Stephen King hasn't used it as a setting yet. I better hurry and use it. <laughs> <laughs> so her last affair was born. Yeah. I'm imagining like a split screen, you over here and Stephen King over here. And you're both like frantically, you're like, I'm going to do it first. <laughs> Typing as fast uh, as you can. It's a great setting for an eerie kind of creepy story. And I hope people feel the same. I hope that. Yes. Well, in your book, the owner of the... Dis so a widow is living on the property and her late husband's family owned this movie theater. And they left her with these twin cottages, which are really awesome on the cover, by the way, because that's exactly how I had them in my head. And she's renting out one of the cottages and has this very amusing sort of interview process, especially given that I didn't even realize till the end of the chapter that she was partially, that she was vision comp compromised, or I'm not sure the correct word. Number, we'll say that. Yeah. Okay. Vision. vision impaired. Vision impaired. Yeah. Oh yeah. That sounds better. Vision impaired. I think I've heard that's definitely an expression. And we start finding out more and more about the person, the man who she rents the cottage too. And her sort of innocent questions lead to him digging back into his past. I don't know why I'm summarizing this for you. Why don't you summarize what your book is about? Why don't you tell everybody what your book is about? Good job so far. I'm, I'm pleased. Thank you. You know, what's funny is I'm not much of a, when I give book talks, I love to get up and gab and tell stories, but I'm not much of a reader. And so when we did our launch event at Symphony Space, the actress, Amy Ryan, who was in Only Murders in the Building recently and in the office and Gone, Baby Gone. And she starred in a film adaptation of an earlier book of mine called Strange But True. And we became friends. We met on the set and became friends. So she, I asked her if she would, you know, join me in the launch event. And I said, I just hate reading. And she said, I'll read for you. And I said, really, you will? She said, well, it's in my wheelhouse. And I was so happy <laughs> to her read. And the same thing, I don't think I'm very good at summarizing my book. Okay, so well, I'm well, then, summarize. Okay, great. So that was where it starts. And then well, like, Things I, unfold from there. And <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I will say it's a, the book is really three se seemingly separate storylines, all having to do with love. So three kind of very eccentric, very quirky, colorful 
troubled characters in a kind of film noir sensibility since it's set at a drive-in primarily. And then halfway through the book, the, the three storylines collide. And that's when it really ratchets up into less of a character study and more of a thriller. Because it's, it's my books get categorized as thrillers, but I don't really think of them as thrillers, whatever that means. They're kind of a genre, mix of genres. And I think if it, someone was interviewing me, this gentleman from Newsday, and he said it reminded me of the tone of Fargo, the movie, where mm-hmm. it's weird characters and very sinister and dark, but then kind of darkly funny in moments and kind of poignant. And it was the ultimate compliment because I love that movie, Fargo. So I really appreciated that. I like that. That's good. I should just read other, I should just read critics' descriptions and throw them back and see what you have to think about them. I haven't tried that. Maybe I should do a podcast just based on that. He wasn't even a critic. He was just interviewing me like you and I were talking. Oh, oh, oh. Said that I felt so complimented. Like, thank you. <laughs> that is really nice. I mean, there is certainly humor, especially like the scene where, the, so the renter has this rekindling and stop me if I'm giving too much away or whatever with with a past love and they they have a revealing moment i'll just like leave it at that where they have to you know show each other in this very revealing manner i don't know i could just say it but whatever i do host like a sex talk show i can and yet i still cannot even like talk about you know showing each other naked bits and pieces but anyway but then the the woman is sort of like how am i even supposed to be doing this and anyway it was it was very funny well, I feel like I joked with my editor, and like that's part of the book that goes into almost kind of Tom Parada character, little mm-hmm. those sorts of suburban awkward sex scenes and things. You know, for for twenty three years, I was the books editor and the deputy editor and the editor at large of Cosmopolitan magazine, and so I have I feel comfort writing and talking <laughs> about sex because that was my life for twenty three years. But you know, this woman that you're talking about, Linnell, she's kind of an empty nester, a bored housewife living in Florida. And she, her marriage is just kind of dull as could be. She's not into her husband. And then she's fired from her job because she's kind of canceled for the seemingly innocuous photo from her youth that services on the internet. So she has no joy in her life. And then one morning she gets a Facebook message of all things people do and it says I've never stopped thinking about you. It's from her very first love. And um, she, they begin she reluctantly begins this kind of online affair with them. And, you know, the way people have affairs online, I know from my Cosmo days, is very different from maybe when I was younger and dating or, I don't know, you know, they send each other very explicit pictures. They do that. So it was kind of funny to show this woman who's, you know, been a mom for years, but her daughter's now gone. And, you know, she's really grappling with this new reality of how people kind of connect online. And so partly about that uh, in the beginning. My mom, when she saw, because People Magazine did an excerpt of that scene, of all the scenes, and my mother wrote me like, saying something like, Johnny, I was so proud of you, but is the whole book like that? Is it Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I said, no, mom, it's just that one part. It's not like a sex book or anything like that. Oh, <laughs> I did not see the People excerpt. I just, that I just thought that was so funny, uh, but now I should go back and read that. That's funny. Well, what is, what's your relationship like with your mom? My mom and I are really close and I grew up, my dad was a cross-country truck driver and my parents sent me in the summers trucking with my dad to quote, make a man out of me. Mm-hmm. And I say, Zibby, they didn't get the results they wanted. I was going to say, how'd that go? <laughs> They wanted, but my mom and I were really close, and my dad, may he rest in peace, he actually passed away in a motorcycle accident a couple summers. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, thank you. And um, he was quite the ladies' man. You know, he was a good-looking young guy, and 
he loved women and they loved him. And so my mother and I spent a lot of time in my youth driving around and probably not the best thing to do with your child was sending me into bars to get him and find him. And so it kind of was an odd existence, <laughs> but, but my mom and I really bonded like that. And we're really, we're close friends. And, and I see her, I was just home last weekend in Connecticut visiting her. So she's very proud. I don't think she thought I, when I wanted to be a writer, like no one in my family, family had even gone to college. And I, I was like, I'm going to become a writer. They're like, yeah, good luck. And then I, I moved to the city. My dad was bringing in a shipment. Uh, he shipped at that time Broadway show tours around the country. He's bringing in a show. I put my stuff in the back of his truck and came to New York and waited tables for 12 years and went, put myself through graduate school at NYU and started writing books and working in magazines and never looked back. I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. Wait, yeah. which re- which restaurants did you work at? Well, I worked at a restaurant in Connecticut. I kept my restaurant job up in Connecticut so I could go home and see my mom and my sister on weekends because sadly, I I feel like this is all sounding like a very sad story, but parts of life, I guess everyone's life are sad, but my, we have a younger sister and she passed away after her high school prom. And so oh. I wanted to go home and see my younger, my baby sister and my mom. So I would go home and work at a restaurant in Fairfield, Connecticut, see my mom, see my sister, and then come back and be in New York from sun, you know, Monday through Friday at NYU and going to school and trying to become a writer here. And I also had this thing where I was like, I wanted that to be my last restaurant job. And I did it for 12 years, but I was like, I don't want to start at a new restaurant. Like, this is going to be it. So, and it was, thankfully. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wait, I'm so sorry about your sister. I mean. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I know. Is it, you know, there's a friend of mine, the writer, Ann Hood, she was my mentor at NYU and she lost her brother. And, and I remember her saying, oh, well, it was at that point when I met her, her brother had died 12 years before. My, I had just lost my sister. And I said, oh, so you get used to it. She said, you, you, or no, I said, you get over it. Right. And she said, you never get over it. You just get used to it. And that's really how I feel. It's kind of something you carry with you. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever saw the play Rabbit Hole with David Lindsay and Bear, that play. And there's a great quote where he says, grief becomes something that you could eventually crawl out from under, but you kind of carry it with you like a brick in your pocket eventually. And sometimes you forget about it, but then every once in a while you reach in and there it is and it kind of just gets you. And part of her last affair is very much about grief too, because Skylar, the main character, when we meet her, it's that we learned that she and her husband ran this drive-in movie theater for nearly 50 years. And then a few nights before their golden anniversary, he dies in a freak accident in the woods mm-hmm. behind the drive-in. And that's really one of the central mysteries of the book is his death and some of the things she finds out about his life following his death. So it's really about people reconnecting with the past and all of them grappling with an issue around love. Two of them actually make a date with their very first love and Sometimes they go well and sometimes they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the beginning of your career and how you did both magazines and books and like how each informed the other. Well, I went to graduate school at NYU. I got out and I heard about a job reading what they called the slush pile at Red mm-hmm. And Red Book Magazine, they paid me 50 cents a story <laughs> to read them. They got something like 35,000 story submissions a year, and they published 11 short stories at the time. So I would go, Zibby, and I would fill these bags of short stories. And, you know, I was 
at the beginning, I would read every single line and I would feel bad rejecting people. So I'd attach the rejection slip, but put little <laughs> notes like, keep going, don't, you, <laughs> you know, because I, I just like didn't want to hurt people's feelings. But um, it really taught me a lot about writing and the submission process and, and editing and getting readers' attention. And then from there, I heard about a job upstairs at Cosmopolitan and I went on the interview. And I remember my friend, Ann Hood, who I mentioned, she said, um, I said, I guess I need a resume. She said, you're a writer. Writers don't need resumes. So I went, Zibby, I had no money. So I bought a jacket at the Salvation Army for $12. I went on the interview and they said, where's your resume? I said, well, I'm a writer. Writers don't have resumes. (laughs) I think she thought I was either really arrogant or really dumb. And she hired me because she felt sorry for me. (laughs) But but it turned out, it really changed my life, that job, Castle Paul's. And at first, I didn't know I would stay. I ended up staying for many years and working in the books department. And in the beginning, opening packages and, you know, talking to agents and subsidiary rights people. And then I worked my way up and worked with Kate White, who I know you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. She, I was there before her. And then she came and we together really ran that magazine for many, 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 many years. And it was so much fun. And at the time she ran it, it was the number one magazine and single copy sales in the world. It was such a huge success. And we just had a blast running that magazine. And, you know, we had this, we had this um, thing. It was an excerpt of a romantic thriller every month. It was like a sex scene. I called it the the blank of the month club. (laughs) (laughs) So I used to have to come up with names for them. And one was about this couple who had a tryst in the bedroom, in the bathroom, and then on the staircase. So I called it Bed Bath and Beyond Her Wildest Dreams. Oh, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) So we just had a lot of fun doing those cover lines and all of that. And then, you know, I kept writing books along the way. And I wrote a first book, Boy Still Missing, Strange But True, which is now a film on HBO Max. And now I have Her Last Affair. I've had, you know, a bunch of books, but yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have you always been a reader, Zippy? I have. I have always been a reader. I love to read. You must love to read, too. I mean. I do. You know, I think when I was little growing up, being Gay. I didn't even know I was gay, but the other boys knew. And I was not athletic and I weighed about two pounds. 
And I was really, really picked on and bullied. And my the place where I would go and hide was the library. I lived right by it. And so after school, I'd often get dropped off there on the bus or I'd walk there from home. And that was really how I discovered my love of reading and of books and, and why I have such respect and love for libraries and librarians still. You know, that and on those trucking trips with my dad, I will say he used to buy me books mass market paperbacks and the truck stops because it's kind of boring. And he would buy me Stephen King and John Irving, which I think still kind of influences my writing because I have the kind of like creepy Stephen King vibe and a quirky character vibe of John Irving. So I'd read those books. And at night, I used to take, my mom had a Sidney Sheldon collection. Do you remember? Uh My mom also had a Sidney (laughs) Sheldon collection. Yes. I would take those books and read them, but it was like not really good meant for a 12-year-old. I was in the target audience. And at night, these women would bang on the doors of the truck and my dad would be sleeping in the bunk and I'd have a flashlight reading. And they'd say, you want some company up there, big boy? And I would say, dad, there's some ladies at the door. And he would say, just ignore them. And I would say, no, thank you. I'm 12 and I'm reading Sidney Sheldon. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all those things contributed to me wanting to be a reader and a writer as well. And I, but I didn't know how because no one in my life was a writer. And then it wasn't until my sister passed away, as I said, that I thought, well, life, this cliche is it sounds life is short. I saw how fragile it was. And I thought, this is what I always wanted to do. And so I just <clears throat> moved to New York and did my best to make it happen. And it's been, it's been so much fun. Although there's been a few other things during the writing of this book, my apartment burned down. My husband and I's apartment burned down, which is sort of, a hilarious story in and of itself, but... I mean, that doesn't sound funny. That sounds terrible. You know, we live down the West Village near the Meatpacking District, and this guy down... I'm on the co-op board and the whatever. This guy bought, bought an apartment two doors down, and he and his girlfriend would argue all the time, and I would hear them, and they'd say, Alexa, call 911. No, Alexa. No. Call 911. I'm like, you can't call 911 yourself. You have to have Alexa do it. So... <laughs> Uh, she apparently, what I hear is she came in and caught him in bed with someone else. Is what I hear. I don't know this true. And she, but what I know it happened is he was out the next night, and she came back, got into his apartment, took all, slashed his artwork, slashed his furniture, attacked his flat screen TV. I don't know why. Then took all their their duplexes we live in. He took she took all his clothes out onto the terrace, which connects to our terrace. There's a fence between. And she lit them on fire. And he had three propane space heaters out there. And it blew the roof off the place. And Zibby, we were out of town. I'm like at a friend's beach house. And normally I'm such a worry worrywart. I don't know why the one time I wasn't, someone texted, there's a fire in the building. I was like, I was having so much fun. I was like, oh, it's probably a little kitchen fire. It'll be fine. Well, the next day people were sending us messages like, links to ABC News, the fire. We pulled up, the bomb squad was here. There was police tape. And I. they wouldn't let us up at first. And I'm such so persistent. I was like, convinced them to let us upstairs. And there was one little part of our apartment that was fine, like where the couch and my desk was, like actually where I'm sitting right now. And I said to Thomas, my husband, I said, uh, it'll be okay. We'll just hang plastic sheets. We'll fold out the sofa. And we'll sleep here till they rebuild it. And the head of the New York City Fire Department said, son, you don't have a roof over your head. <laughs> It's toxic. You cannot live here. I just, I'm always like, I can do it. It'll be okay. And so it took many, 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 many months before moving home. So it was a tricky time. But during it, I really channeled a lot of my grief into 
or escaped my grief, I should say, into writing Her Last Affair, which, as I said, is really about a, a book about love, about the power of um, the past to uh, impact our lives for both good and bad. And I did something fun because I realized it's, like I said, part of the puzzle piece is three seemingly separate storylines. How do they connect? And halfway through, you learn how they do. But I thought I need something that gives it kind of an over, like a connected tissue. So I had the idea to start each chapter with a film quote of a movie that once played at the drive-in. So whether it's- I loved that, by the way. That was awesome. Thank you. And so whether it's Casablanca or Mildred Pierce or like more sinister fare, like The Shining or Psycho or some kind of forgotten 80 movies like Mannequin or Cannonball Run, they act as clues to what's about to happen in each chapter. So it's a fun- way to engage the reader and also kind of my way of saying, trust me, this is all part of one thing as you go, which I'll be, and you know, you should do, you should do like a Facebook watch series where you watch all those movies with people like one a week or something. That would be really fun. That's a good idea. See, I need to be more (laughs) on that social media thing like you, but uh, I would have your, have somebody on your, on your publishing team, like just set it up. I will, you know, and I'm doing, I don't know when this airs, whatever, but on June 1st, I'm doing uh, the Today Show where I'm talking about her last affair and also announcing my summer book picks. So I'm really excited. Oh, exciting. Yeah, there's so many good books right now. It's hard to choose. You know what that's like. I do. I yeah. can send you my book. Get it in the running for best books of the summer. Book <laughs> out, Zibby. When is it out? It comes out July 1st. Are you excited? How you I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited. I'm, um, yeah, it's nice. The people who have read it, I'm getting like very warm reactions, you know, just like what I was hoping. So, you know, I'm not attempting to be like the most literary writer. I just like sort of tell it like it is. And, but I've been working and reworking this for like ever. And then I started it for like the 50th time from scratch, like six and did it all in like six months. So congratulations. That's Thank you. really great. And I can't but, wait um, What's it called? It's called Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature. And it's the through line is how books have shaped my life and how at every, like I've had a lot of loss in my life as not not my siblings, but just people I've loved who I've lost and, you know, the books that have helped me through those times and sort of the traumas and also some of the good times. And um, so it sort of tracks loss and grief and divorce and remarriage and motherhood and depression and anxiety and all the good things. And then it ends up starting my podcast and here we are so it sounds incredible i can't wait to read it so i'll send you a copy <laughs> i love it please do address and well now with now that we're best friends yeah exactly you know <laughs> <laughs> well that is exciting i'm not sure when this will air but whatever even if it's after people can go back and watch so so yeah. there you go what is your next book on the horizon that you're going to write you know this one took me a bit because i was at cosmopolitan my apartment burned down. There's stuff going on, but the, I'm going a bit faster this time. But while I'm writing them, I don't know if you feel this way. It's hard for me to talk about it on my soundbite. So mm-hmm. I just know it's kind of dark and twisty and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. So my plan is to have been on book tour, doing lots of events. But my hope is July and August really to just to hunker down, stay home, kind of quiet, everything. Do you find this like I'm more productive? Like as much I'm, I love to be social. I love seeing people, talking to people, but the more I do that, the harder it is to get back into the writing. So I kind of have to discipline myself to kind of sometimes shut out the world and work. Did you find that when you're writing the book? I'm so used to writing personal essays and this was writing about myself. So I just felt like I could do this anywhere type of thing, but I'm working on a novel now and I need like, (laughs) I need like 
hour buffers on each side. I need like quiet. I need like, yeah. <laughs> I need, like a totally different. Yeah. I, I, I have to like, I don't know what, I don't know what, but uh, yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> no, it's a different process. And each book I find is different because there were some books. I always joke when Thomas and I first met, we were much younger. We met in our twenties and I would just get up at like three in the morning, write till five, go back to bed. And I would then have a book done. He'd say, when do you write these books? Now it's the opposite. I'm like, come quick. I wrote a sentence. Look, <laughs> look at it. It's an, and it has a verb, a subject, like, a sentence. So, um, but, I, but you know, speaking of personal essays, Thomas and I, we've been together 25 years and he had wanted to get married for a long time. And i never really liked weddings at all. And I kind of was dubious about getting married. I just, or, or apprehensive about it. But then after the pandemic, we decided to, and we just had a little tiny little, I was like, let's just go to town hall and get married. But we went to town hall in the Hamptons and there were like men jockeying for space for hunting and fishing license. Yeah. <laughs> too impersonal, even for me. So the woman behind the counter saw the look of horror on my face and like slid a piece of paper, like it said, call the town justice. She'll come to your house and marry you. And Thomas's parents came and just a few friends and we just got married in the backyard and it was so sweet. And now I love weddings. I'm a total convert now. I, I had no idea. Maybe they're beautiful. Look yeah. It's like, I think I had a, just being gay and not being able, going to weddings for so long and knowing you couldn't get married yourself, I kind of had a wall up about it. And I know then when they became legal, I think other gay people rushed to do it. And I still was like, no, no. <laughs> I still was kind of bitter about it. But now it, all that's gone. And I wrote an essay in the New York Times about it called Confessions of a Reformed Wedding Hater in the style section like a month or so ago. And um. I got so many nice letters and one letter I got was so meaningful to me, Anna Quinlan, you know, Anna Quinlan. Yes, yes, yes. Don't know her. One day I just got this email at the Blue Shoe said, your essay is near perfect. And I, I just loved it so much. It was funny and poignant and beautiful. And I, I nearly dropped the phone. I'm, I was walking down the street or something or, and I just to get a note like that, you'll see when you, you know, when you, even now, I'm sure. No, I, every so often, like we email now and we've done a couple of podcasts and whatever. And every so often she'll be like, I read your Instagram post. Like, here's my weight loss advice or whatever. Like, here's what you should do about your back. And I'll be like, <laughs> like okay. I'm like, hold on. I just have to write back Anna Quinlan. You know? <laughs> I, know. I just have such, I revere her. And it was like, I imagine, I know how you feel. Me too. Yes, me too. But who are your other writer heroes? Like, who do you really love? I love Danny Shapiro. And- um, that she's a friend too. Yeah, I've gotten to know her over the years. That's what's been the craziest part of this whole thing is like people who for so long, I'm like, this is one of my favorite authors. And the next thing you know, we're like saying hi at a party, like going to dinner. It's just the craziest. It's yeah. it's the craziest, but um, I love her she's yeah, really cool. she's awesome. You, you really sparked my, and I know we have to wrap up now, but you sparked my, I don't know, you sparked an idea when you were talking about uh, Sydney Sheldon books because, you know, I used to read all these Judith Krantz books of my mom's and like, I don't know what it was about that time period where everybody was reading their mom's books. Like nobody, not, my kids wouldn't dare read any of my books now. Do you know what I mean? But like, I don't know if it was that the books were that interesting or was there lack of material for people our age who had like passed by the stuff of the people. I don't know what it was, but anyway, it would be funny to do like what my mom read, like a roundup or, you know, what our moms read or I, I don't know. I think there's something there that's really yeah, funny. There was, like, there, my, I remember my mother, there was The Other Side of Midnight, If Tomorrow Comes, all those all those kind of books. And you write yeah. with grants and 
I, well, they were just kind of fun and juicy and accessible, I guess. There were a lot of them about revenge against men. Too. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, and then I went to a party once years ago and I met Sidney Sheldon in person before. Oh my gosh. With his secretary, who maybe he was married to, I don't know, I can't remember. And he told me he used to dictate the books to someone, I think this woman, and she would write them. I don't know. Such a oh crazy my gosh. Movie. It was just another era of New York. Another area. Wow. And, yeah. Um, well, I am sorry about the fire. I congratulations on the wedding. It's been a very eventful time for you. I hope that you get the space and time you need to to write and everything. And uh, maybe you can bring back the uh, the drive in in the Hamptons this summer. Yeah, let's. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> Which I'll just look on the left when I go out and see. Just look on the left. Yeah, it was yeah. by like the Lobster Inn. You know, like over there. You know. Okay. Well, you'll you'll. I'll, I'll find out. I'll call my mom and find out. <laughs> Zibby, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Congratulations about the new book, and I look forward to seeing you this summer. Thank you. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.